0: we are and 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 Nigel I think the the question that you you've just raised there is what role do I play in enhancing the situation and what you know and what, yes. then what role do the others play and and I think I love your example because it's it, it's it's helping people to to do more than one thing more than just focus on the task that you've got at hand or the it's it's actually to, to to sort of step back look at the bigger picture and understand you know why are we why are we all here together and what are some of the nuances of what we each bring to this and carry you know and you know whether it's having to leave at a certain time um for your children i mean having having, having my own you know life experience i know i'm very sensitized to that now but i you know <clears throat> I'll be the first to admit that when I was in my 20s, because I have had a, a real stream of workaholism, um, I remember some of the judgments I'd make to, to, about other women, by the way. I'm a mother now, and I'm clearly a, a, a mother who's had... Oh, gosh, apologies. I'm sorry. Do you know? My computer. Apologies. It's all right. You know, that is my best friend calling me from New York who never calls me. (laughs) And she's decided to call me I'm using the laptop because it's got a better camera and sound system, but that computer was still on, so apologies. You can can definitely cut that bit out, right? (laughs) I hope
1: so. I'll think about it.
0: Okay. Um, Anyway. um, I can either cut it
1: out or we can give her a name check.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can do that too um but where where was i i've i really lost my thread of thought on that one um completely lost it
1: yeah it well, you were talking about the um sorry it distracted me as well it's made me <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> never had that oh, okay. normally that yeah. isn't on but anyway apologies because the screen is off if it's if it's all um, right
1: if it's all right for you if it's all right for you i'll put that in the bloopers at the end of the year as well if that's all right
0: yeah, that's okay. So
1: I, do, oh, I have, do, do a blue. I do a blue. I do a blue pusher where when I generally when I'm doing my inter in intro bits and I'm mangling people's names and things like that, so I kind of keep some of those to one side. I'll use that for that if I remember to cut it out properly. Um, yeah. Uh, so so we, we were talking about.
0: Well, I was making reference um, to the example you gave. The gave about people spending a bit more time before they get. That's right. And now I'm back there. Um you know before you get into what what are we here to do together is it what do we carry you know and actually, what I was saying is mm. i would i'm I'm one who when I was younger, I would have probably been quite judgmental if you know a, a, a female peer of mine and some of them will know this if they ever hear this um you know had to leave early or 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 wasn't responding quickly enough, you know, and we were part of a team and And now, well, not just now, but, you know, years ago, after I did have my children, I thought, my goodness, you know, my lack of empathy was based on a lack of intuition and experience. And that's the point. And I think we do have different experiences. We do have different expectations based on those experiences. I think one of the most uh, important insights I've gained in the last few years is expectations carry a significant burden for us if we can loosen our sense of expectations and actually become more curious about oh why am i expecting that right now and what else might be going on for those around me who i'm working with and then regage my expectation that often is very helpful in our relationships our working relationships
1: yeah i get that and i think the the thing there is that expectations um I know that uh, I've gone through some um, sort of realizations in the last few years where I Mm. kind of had an assumption in my mind of what it needed to move on in the organization that I was in. Uh, And that meant I was looking at others and going, well,
2: I've got to be that career monster who – he's doing 15 hours a day, he's
1: doing that kind of thing. I didn't, but you know I mean? That's, that's the kind of thing that, that you have that in your mind. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to get anywhere because I'm not doing that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I kind of went for a bit of a, a charge to try and get through, um, take on some extra activities and extra work to kind of move move my career along. And what I didn't do was set boundaries. And I discovered that the boundaries, those assuming you needed to be always on all that sort of thing and and by set and then after I was off for a while, came back and one of the things I did do and I' have had this conversation with someone that recently said, "Yeah, I thought you were mad when you came back night when you were blocking out your diary and being really belligerent, to say i'm not I'm having lunch then I'm breaking that, I'm doing that there and, and saying no all the time uh, and saying, and encouraging others to do that and saying, well that just set your boundaries because it was and I've, what I've discovered is by doing that, people understand where, I, where, where I'm where mm-hmm. coming from, what I'm going to do. I make sure when I'm doing certain things, I'm meeting what I need to meet. But within my boundaries, because they're my boundaries and no one else's. And then Andy, we had an interview with, on here. He talks about when I heard on his podcast, and I may have mentioned it before, he was um, one Friday evening, he was out with his family. They were having a pizza or something on whatever they were doing, phone rings, picks it up and goes, hello? And it's one of his customers. And he says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, sat having, having some dinner with my family at the moment. Um, can I call you back? And he said, uh, uh, yeah, so is that all right? And he said, yeah, yeah, that's no problem. You shouldn't have answered the phone. And it was kind of, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, my, my, my friend Andy was controlling his boundaries. He was in charge. It, he, the red button's there, not have his work phone. Use used it a hundred different ways that you could do it there. We, by answering the phone to someone else, by answering the EM, by doing IM, sorry, or anything like that, we're giving, it's not the person who's contacting us his fault if we allow them to intrude. And that's an uncomfortable mm-hmm. place to be because you feel the expectation, going back to that point, the expectation. That's what you're feeling. The expectation is, I must answer. But the answer to it is, well, um, there's a, there's a, he's got an answer phone. Yeah? he pick it up. He's left the message right. He's rung on a Friday night at 7 o'clock at night. Most people reasonably expect you're not going to do anything. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Most people expect that you're not going to call them back till Monday. They're just uh, chancing their arm to try and get it. And the ones that aren't, well, either you do or don't deal with them in future.
0: And and actually, what I would say to that, though, Nigel, is that there are people who still do. And I've seen a tremendous change, especially through the pandemic. I think that's created a very different, yeah. um, it's questioned expectations. It's enforced yeah. or it's certainly encouraged people to enforce boundaries. However, the one thing I would say is that there are still people who don't. And, and there are many, many, many people who haven't had the opportunity yet and, I, and i'm hopeful um that to to actually question those expectations um but if there's anything mm-hmm. that helps us to set and manage those boundaries with real skill it's questioning our own as well as others expectations and questioning it with not with yeah. judgment with 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 a sense of openness and, and empathy and understanding that actually whether it's our current situation, coming back to my points from earlier, or whether it's the dispos you know, what we were disposed to from messages we may have developed and narratives we may have developed over time, some of that boundary management becomes more challenging. And it is a skill yeah. It needs to be developed and it needs to be honed and practiced.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know you I mean it's something you've got, and you're going to fail, and you've got to be willing to fail and keep failing, and then keep trying to get on again, again and just kind of improve. We're never going to be perfect, are we? Uh,
2: just thinking about
1: a comment you made when I was doing your introduction, and, and it kind of relates to this, I think, is is that, um don't want to say baggage, but there's going to be those uh, assumptions and those expectations that you, as um a person, that you mentioned—I think I can't remember the phrase you used—is someone kind of not feeling, then having an identity or not feeling a belonging or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and that is is something that obviously would influence as well on these sort of things. And how how have you seen that personally? Have you seen those kind of things um, shaping you as an individual? And what how have you—they been positive, negative, and, and what have you done about them?
0: Well, it's, uh, you look. Thank you. I, pre- I appreciate the question because it, you know, as as I mentioned to, to begin with, it, it's certainly a part of me that's that, that, that's been. Um, I I I I love it. I love the fact that I'm mixed. I didn't when I was a little girl. I'll be honest. I used to think, oh, why can't I be blonde, white like all my friends, and you know, come from one country and have you know. Um, just have one simple way and and a clear name that that people, you know, can pronounce or, you know, that I I could fit in. Yeah. So I could be like everyone else and I can hear my daughter sometimes, actually my son is different, but my son, my my daughter, rather, she tends to be carrying some of these traits. Um, And, and, and I, I now must admit, I really embrace the, the mixture. I, feel extremely fortunate to have just so many different it it enables me to almost sit on the margins and go okay I'm not that I'm not quite this either I'm not quite sure what I am but it's 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 given me like a third eye and it's really lovely actually at times I feel I feel quite privileged you know but on the other hand you know coming back to not fitting in um there were times when i felt really confused and, and 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 this was as a child this was as a teenager this was even as a working adult you know i've worked in environments where i was very much the minority i've never looked at it that way i've never thought oh i'm the minority you know and and but i've reflecting back over the years and actually having obviously written this book i've reflected on that as 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 a part of the adversities that i've learned to navigate and and this very clear tension between Wanting to conform and be like others, but wanting to stand out and be myself, yeah. has definitely been a, a, a double-edged um, sword. And and I have found that incredibly um, confusing as it as a, as a you know as a youngster, and I have found it extremely enriching as an adult because it enables me and it it encourages me and it really stimulates me to to. To want to understand people to to want to go deeper in in connecting yeah. with them and to and to accessing a way of feeling and seeing things that are fundamentally different to how I would ever um and that level of compassion that comes from that I don't know whether it's a combination of you know me and who I am and how uh, the skills that I've honed and the kind of work I do um or purely a, a product of being this mutt. <laughs> um that 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 just seems to to you know, I don't know but yeah, I, I really appreciate it, but it hasn't been easy.
1: Yeah, I think that's. I'm I'm going to tell you off describing yourself as a mutt. I think that's a terribly (laughs) negative way of describing that. I think it's. But I I can, I can kind of. It's, it's interesting. It's something that um, I've not middle aged, middle aged white guy. You know what I mean? It's it's difficult for me to empathise. And, but I can. I, I love the fact that 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 whole thing of embracing the fact when you were first saying that. I say. It's kind of you want to be boring rather than not mm. when you're younger. That's I think that's what you kind of get, isn't it? I, I used to wear glasses when I was a child, and that kind of mm. uh, that's the closest thing I can think of that, that I can and go there. And it kind of, you were different. You weren't normal, not normal. You were just not part of the everyone else sort of thing. Whereas these days, most people are wearing, kids are wearing glasses and there's fashion items, so it's completely different to what it was growing up in the 80s. And uh, But I think the... Um, That approach to it of being that you've having that mindset of there's so much more you can bring to things now and that uniqueness of ourselves, and as we get older, we recognise that uniqueness is such a positive thing, and isn't, and everyone else is unique, and therefore that empathy to be able to understand that uniqueness is is so powerful, especially in in a a diverse work organisation. You're dealing with the person not the people, mm. if you know what I mean. And it's kind of treating people individually and meeting people where they are, not just look, reflecting on your own self. And, and you mentioned your book there, and we've not, I noticed we're coming up on time pretty soon. And um, I don't want to have the whole interview and not talk about it. Tell tell us about the book. Tell us what it's called, like why you wrote it. Um, and what are the th- sort of top things that people might get out of gra- grabbing a copy of your book?
0: No, thank you for asking that, Jill. So it's um well look it was as I know you've written several books, so um from 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 one author to another, a lot of mm-hmm. effort yeah. energy yeah. was oh no, gosh. And I'm really curious about that facial reaction. <laughs> but
1: um my my, my mine was my was skinny and not a lot of effort, but there you go.
0: So I I, I think a little bit. I'm going to tell you off, like you told me off about being a mutt, because it does take time yeah, so. to, you know, structuring, yeah, so. structuring a book and actually making it more concise. I would say is the hardest part. Yeah. So I challenge your thinking on that, but yeah. but, but yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Fair point. In terms of in terms of why I wrote the book, I wrote the book because I had just come out of this journey. I don't, you know, I, the, the, the the acute part of the journey, um, you know, just a, a small part about it, because it is really relevant, is that it was very traumatic. Um, In 2017, I was, you know, I was flying. I was loving my career. I had a client list to dream for. I had two years of order book and everything seemed really simple and you know, life seemed to be going well, and from one day to another, you know, we learned that my son had a brain tumor, and and it was a cancerous brain tumor. It took two months to to, to fully diagnose it and start chemotherapy, which then and that was after several surgeries, which then led to radiotherapy. So it was, you know, a nine-year-old boy going through that, being the mother, and. Mm-hmm. To him as well, it's you know, his his young younger sister who he was seven at the time. And and you know, it it did really derail us um as a family. And it certainly it 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 made me leave my body for a couple of years. And and I I've I, I actually mean that. So three or four years later, when I had come back, we thankfully we were blessed with his survival and um um actually we learned a lot and you know, there were some nice things that happened as a result of it all. But, you know, we would never have chosen that path. And then the pandemic hit and I worked in a, um, in, a in a large corporate at the time for, for nearly two years because it was time for me to make a salary rather than run my own business and feel a bit more held and contained. And we had, you know, debts to cover. We had to self-fund part of his treatment in the U.S., so I finished this job in the corporate and decided I want to go back and do what I was doing and I'm ready. It, it, I, I was broken in, in, in the midst of all that and it took me a while to piece myself back up again. And actually writing the book was a bit of a, I need to do this, as partly catharsis. I've learned a huge amount working in a large corporate during the pandemic and realizing that actually a lot of people I meet, are also carrying traumas, and those traumas tend to be influencing their interactions at work and how they operate in the workplace and That was where the idea was born, so I wrote it um it evolved into something that I actually really enjoyed doing and um Now the purpose of it really is so that I could be even more selective about the the kind of client work I do. I have a dream that I want to work with those people that you said earlier. You know who have that curiosity, um, who who've also are able to live through the discomfort and to do a bit of healing whilst they learn from the process of that healing and how it can impact their effectiveness at work, but also more broadly in their life
2: as a human. Brilliant. And so the name of the book is. Where's my piece of paper?
1: I've got it there. Leader
2: awakened. Leader
1: awakened. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's yes. um, it's available on all, in all the usual places, I guess.
0: It is. It is. So, so and, there is. Uh, uh, that's. Yes, it's it's available on Amazon, but it's available on in in most uh, book bookshops, um, uh, and in in. in the us as well as um the uk and 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 even other retailers um it, it also um there's a website called uh, it's leaderawakened.co.uk, and you've got some information about the book itself and then it'll it'll guide you to any of those retailers uh and yeah it's actually if you're interested in doing some of this work yourself it's a perfect companion to start you on that journey
1: Brilliant. Um, I know that you're, we've got a specific cutoff tonight. So um, is there, if people want to carry on the conversation, want to get hold of you other than grabbing the book, and I, is, is that the best place to grab you or is there another way they can get hold of you?
0: Yes. Um, well, on LinkedIn and in Instagram, um, I've, 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 we've got um, a leader Awaken specific area, but also you can contact me directly. Um, and then cool. turmericgroup.com com is the website turmericgroup.com which is also where where uh, you will find leaderawaken.co.uk um yeah you can definitely make contact through any of those
2: uh forums brilliant well
1: samarine thank you so much for your time tonight uh and uh yeah uh, good luck with the book and good luck with everything else that you're doing and have a great evening
0: yeah and you it's been a pleasure
2: Thanks, Samarine. Bye now. Bye-bye.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project Manager podcast for Sunday, the 11th of February 2024. This is your host, Nigel Kruse. And today, we've got part two of my interview with Samreen McGregor. So, if you're listening to this, that means you've had a week's gap from episode one, part one, which means that you've had a week where you've been wondering what on earth was going to be said next in the next pieces, wondering what other nuggets of information were coming from my guest. And you've had a week where you haven't been able to apply those nuggets because you didn't know they existed or what they were, which is a little bit frustrating, really, because imagine how much more. Efficient, productive, or amazing you could have been. But you know there's a way around it. You know that you can pop along to Patreon. p.m or to Spotify. Have a look at the feed. And there's a little lock. Click on the lock and it'll ask you to pay. It's the price for coffee. That's it. A month. And you'll get everything a week early. Uh, and you won't have bits like this uh, In it with me Whittering on about Becoming a patron and things like that So Have a think And anyway I'll shut up now Because you're probably thinking Just get on with it So yeah Here's the uh, the second part of the show So I have a number of sponsors, affiliate links, um, in the way that it's set up, um, that have kindly allowed me to uh, um, share their services. Really, the first one um, is Mike Lane, and Mike runs PM Online PM courses, and it is a great resource for um, getting those. Fundamentals of project management, uh, trained, reasonably priced, uh, and Mike um, presents it in an accessible and um, uh, clear manner. Um, you can check out some of his um, uh, videos on, on his YouTube channel and kind of give you a view of where they are. But uh, the the code for that, if you go to NigelCruiser.com/slash online PM courses all all one word, lowercase, that'll redirect you to it. Uh, there's very different levels that so you can um, buy, you can buy individual courses, you can buy pathways as well, if you like. Um, and I get a kickback off those. Uh, Mike kindly uh, shares me that. So um, if you do jump on and use it, I hope you find it really useful. Um, I think he has money back guarantees and things like that as well. So there's very limited risk um, on that. So, uh, Jump on that, and that, again, it's com slash online PM courses. And enjoy.
0: We are. And, and, and Nigel, I think the, the, the question that you've you just raised there is, what role do I play in enhancing the situation? And what, you know, and, what, yes. and then what role do the others play? And And I think, I love your example because it's 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 helping people to to do more than one thing more than just focus on the task that you've got at hand or the it's it's actually to, to to sort of step back look at the bigger picture and understand you know why are we why are we all here together and what are some of the nuances of what we each bring to this and carry you know and you know whether it's having to leave at a certain time um, for your children. I mean, having, having having my own, you know, life experience, I know I'm very sensitized to that now. But, I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll be the first to admit that when I was in my 20s, because I I've had a, a real stream of workaholism, um, I remember some of the judgments I'd make to, to, about other women, by the way. I'm a mother now, and I'm clearly a, a, a mother who's had... Oh, gosh, I apologize. I'm sorry. Do you know... The computer. <laughs> apologies. It's all right. You know, that is my best friend calling me from New York who never calls me. <laughs> and she's decided to call me
2: now.
0: I'm using the laptop because it's got a better camera and sound system, but that computer was still on. So apologies. You can, you can definitely cut that bit out, right? <laughs> I hope so. I'll think about it. Okay. Okay. Um, Anyway, um, I can either cut it out
1: or we can give her a name check.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could do that's true. Um but where where was I I've I've really lost my trade of thought on that one. Um completely lost it.
1: Yeah, it well, you were talking about the um sorry, it distracted me as well, it's made me lose <laughs> <laughs>
0: Never had that. Oh, I, normally, that yeah. isn't on. But anyway, apologies. because the screen is yeah. off, if it's if it's um, all
1: right, if it's all right for you, if it's all right for you, I'll put that in my bloopers at the end of the year as well. If that's all right,
0: yeah, that's okay. So I do oh, I have
1: to do a blue. I do a blue. I do a blooper show where when I generally when I'm doing my into in intro bits, I'm mangling people's names and things like that. So I kind of keep some of those to one <laughs> side. The, so I'll use that for that if I remember to cut it out properly. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so we were talking about.
0: Well, I was making reference um, to the example you gave, you gave about people spending a bit more time before they get. That's right. And now I'm back there. Um, you know, before you get into what what are we here to do together? Is it what do we carry? You know, and actually what I was saying is mm. I would I'm, I'm one who when I was younger, I would have probably been quite judgmental if. You know, a, a, a female peer of mine, and some of them will know this if they ever hear this. Um, you know, had to leave early, or 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 wasn't responding quickly enough. You know, and we were part of a team, and and now, well, not just now, but you know, years ago after I did have my children, I thought, my goodness, you know, my lack of empathy was based on a lack of intuition and experience. And that's the point. And I think we do have different experiences. We do have different expectations based on those experiences. I think one of the most uh, important insights I've gained in the last few years is expectations carry a significant burden for us. If we can loosen our sense of expectations and actually become more curious about, oh, why am I expecting that right now? And what else might be going on for those around me who I'm working with, and then regage my expectation that often is very helpful in our relationships, our working relationships
1: yeah, I get that and I think the the thing there is that expectations um I know that uh, I've gone through some um, sort of realizations in the last few years where I mm-hmm. kind of had it an assumption in my mind of what it needed to move on in the organization that I was in. Uh, and that meant I was looking at
2: others and going, well, I've got to be that career monster who, um, doing
1: 15 hours a day, he's doing that kind of thing. I didn't, but you know, I mean, that's the kind of thing that, that you have that in your mind. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to get anywhere cause I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of went for a bit of a, a charge to try and get through, um, take on some extra activities and extra work to kind of move, move my career along. And what I didn't do was set boundaries. And I discovered that the boundaries, those uh, assuming you needed to be always on, all that sort of thing. And, and, by set, and then after I was off for a while, came back. One of the things I did do, and I've had this conversation with someone that recently said, Yeah, I thought you were mad when you came back, Nigel, when you were blocking out your diary and being really belligerent to say, I'm not, I'm having lunch then, I'm breaking that, I'm doing that there, and, and saying no all the time, uh, and saying, and encouraging others to do that, and saying, Well, just set your boundaries. Because it was, and I've, what I've discovered is by doing that, people understand where I. Where, where I'm coming mm-hmm. from, what I'm going to do. I make sure when I'm doing certain things, I'm meeting what I need to meet, but within my boundaries, because they're my boundaries and no one else's. And then Andy, we had an interview with on here. He talks about when I heard on his podcast, and I may have mentioned it before, he was um one Friday evening, he was out with his family. They were having a pizza or something, or whatever they were doing. Phone rings, picks it up, and goes, Hello. And it's one of his customers. He says, um. Oh, um, I'm just uh, sat having, having some dinner with my family at the moment um, can I call you back and he said uh, uh, yeah so is that alright and he said yeah yeah that's no problem you shouldn't have answered the phone and it was kind of he's right
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> I, my, my, my friend Andy was controlling his boundaries he was in charge it, he the red buttons there not have his work phone Use used it a hundred different ways that you could do it there we by answering the phone to someone else by answering the em by doing i am sorry or anything like that we're giving it's not the person who's contacting us his fault if we allow them to intrude and that's an uncomfortable right. place to be because you feel the expectation going back to that point the expectation that's what you're feeling the expectation is i must answer but the answer to it is well um there's a there's an it's got an answer phone yeah He pick it up he's left the message right. He's rung on a Friday night at seven o'clock at night. Most people
2: God.
1: reasonably expect you're not going to do anything.
2: Mm. Do you know what I
1: mean? Most people expect that you're not going to call them back till Monday. They're just uh, chancing their arm to try and get it. And the ones that aren't, well, either you do or don't deal with them in future.
0: And And actually, what I would say to that, though, Nigel, is that there are people who still do. And I've seen a tremendous change, especially through the pandemic. I think that's created a very different, yeah. um, it's questioned expectations. It's enforced, yeah. or it's certainly encouraged people to enforce boundaries. However, the one thing I would say is that there are still people who don't, and, and there are many, many, many people who haven't had the opportunity yet. And, I, and I'm hopeful Um that to to actually question those expectations um, but if there's anything right. that helps us to set and manage those boundaries with real skill it's questioning our own as well as others expectations and questioning it with not with judgment with 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 a sense of openness and, and empathy and understanding that actually whether it's our current situation coming back to my points from earlier or whether it's the disp- you know, where, what we were disposed to from messages we may have developed and narratives we may have developed over time, some of that boundary management becomes more challenging. And it is a skill. Yeah. It needs to be developed and it needs to be honed and practised.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, it's something you've got and, and you're going to fail and you've got to be willing to fail and keep failing and then keep trying to get out again and just kind of improve. We're never going to be perfect, are we?
2: Just thinking about
1: a comment you made when I was doing your introduction, and, and it kind of relates to this, I think, is is that, um don't want to say baggage, but there's going to be those uh, assumptions and those expectations that you as um person that you mentioned i think i can't remember the phrase you used is someone kind of not feeling then having an identity or not feeling a belonging or something mm-hmm. like that um and that is is something that obviously would influence as well on these sort of things and how, how have you seen that personally have you seen those kind of things um shaping you as an individual and what how have you they've been positive negative and, and what have you done about them
0: well, it's, uh, you know, thank you. I, pre- I appreciate the question because it, you know, as as I mentioned to, to begin with, it, it's certainly a part of me that's that, that, that's been. Um, I I I I love it. I love the fact that I'm mixed. I didn't when I was a little girl. I'll be honest. I used to think, oh, why can't I be blonde like all my friends and, you know, come from one country and have, you know um, just have one simple way and and a clear name that, that people, you know, can pronounce or, you know, that I, so I could fit in. Yeah. So I could be like everyone else and I can hear my daughter sometimes actually my son is different, but my son, my my daughter, rather, she tends to be carrying some of these traits. Um, and, and, and I, I now must admit, I really embrace the, the mixture. I, feel extremely fortunate to have just so many different it, it enables me to almost sit on the margins and go okay I'm not that I'm not quite this either I'm not quite sure what I am but it's 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 given me like a third eye and it's really lovely actually at times I feel I feel quite privileged you know but on the other hand you know coming back to not fitting in um there were times when I felt really confused and 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 this was as a child, this was as a teenager, this was even as a working adult, you know, I've worked in environments where I was very much the minority. I've never looked at it that way. I've never thought, oh, I'm the minority you know and and but I've reflecting back over the years and actually having obviously written this book, I've reflected on that as 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 a part of the adversities that I've learned to navigate and and this very clear tension between wanting to conform and be like others but wanting to stand out and be myself
2: yeah. has
0: definitely been a, a a double-edged um sword and and I have found that incredibly um confusing as it as it as a you know as a youngster and I have found it extremely enriching as an adult because it enables me and it it encourages me and it really stimulates me to 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 want to understand people to to want to go deeper in in connecting yeah. with them and to and to accessing a way of feeling and seeing things that are fundamentally different to how i would ever um and that level of compassion that comes from that i don't know whether it's a combination of you know me and who i am and how the skills that I've honed in the kind of work I do um, or purely a, a product of being this mutt that <laughs> um, seems to, to you know I don't know but yeah I, I really appreciate it but it hasn't been easy
1: yeah, I think that's. I, that, I'm, I'm going to tell you off describing yourself as a mutt. I think that's a terribly <laughs> negative way of describing that. I think it's, but I, I can, I can kind of. It's, it's interesting. It's something that um, I, I'm not middle aged, middle aged white guy. You know what I mean? It's, it's difficult for me to empathize, and but I can. I, I love the fact that 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 whole thing of embracing the fact when you were first saying that. I say... It's kind of you want to be boring rather than not mm. when you're younger. That's I think that's what you kind of get, isn't it? I, I used to wear glasses when I was a child, and that kind of mm. that, that's the closest thing I can think of that that I can go there and it kind of you were different. You weren't normal, not normal You were just not part of the everyone else sort of thing. Whereas these days, most people are wearing kids are wearing glasses and there's fashion items, so it's completely different to what it was growing up in the 80s. And uh, but I think the um, that approach to it of being that you, you've having that mindset of there's so much more you can bring to things now and that uniqueness of ourselves, and as we get older, we recognize that uniqueness is such a positive thing and isn't and everyone else is unique, and therefore that empathy to be able to understand that uniqueness is is so powerful, especially in in a, in a diverse work organization um, you're dealing with the person not the people, mm. if you know what I mean. And it's kind of treating people individually and meeting people where they are, not just look, reflecting on your own self. And and you mentioned your book there, and we've not, I noticed we're coming up on time pretty soon. And um, I don't want to have the whole interview and not talk about it. Tell, tell us about the book. Tell us what it's called, like why you wrote it. Um, and what are the th- sort of top things that people might get out of gra- grabbing a copy of your book?
0: No, thank you for asking, Nadia. So, it's um well, like it was as I know you've written several books. So, um from 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 one author to another, a lot of yeah. effort, yeah. energy. Yeah. Was, oh no, gosh! And I'm really curious about that facial reaction. <laughs> but
1: um, my 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 was, skin, was skinny and not a lot of effort. But there you <laughs> go. So, oh,
0: I, I I think. A little bit I'm gonna tell you off like you told me off about being a mutt because it does take time yeah, to you know, structuring yeah. yes. structuring a book and actually making it more concise, I would say, is the hardest part. Yeah. So I challenge you thinking on that book, yeah. but but yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Fair point. in terms of in terms of why I wrote the book. I wrote the book because I had just come out of this journey. I don't, you know, the the, the acute part of the journey, um, you know, just a a small part about it, because it is really relevant, is that it was very traumatic. In 2017, I was, you know, I was flying. I was loving my career. I had a client list to dream for. I had two years of order book. And everything seemed really simple. And, you know life seemed to be going well. And from one day to another, you know, we learned that my son had a brain tumor and, and it was a cancerous brain tumor. And It took two months to, to to fully diagnose it and start chemotherapy, which then, and that was after several surgeries, which then led to radiotherapy. So it was, you know, a nine year old boy going through that being the mother and, mm-hmm to him as well as you know his his young younger sister who sep he was seven at the time and and you know it, it did really derail us um as a family and it certainly it, it it made me leave my body for a couple of years and and i I've, i i actually mean that so three or four years later when i had come back we thankfully we were blessed with his survival and um Um, actually we learned a lot and you know there were some nice things that happened as a result of it all but you know we would never have chosen that path and then the pandemic hit and I worked in a um, in a a large corporate at the time for, for nearly two years because it was time for me to make a salary rather than run my own business and feel a bit more held and contained and we had you know debts to cover. We had to self fund part of his treatment in the U.S. So I finished this job in the corporate and decided I want to go back and do what I was doing. And I'm ready. It, it, I I was broken in 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 the midst of all that, and it took me a while to piece myself back up again. And actually, writing the book was a bit of a I need to do this. It's partly catharsis. I've learned a huge amount working in a large corporate during the pandemic and realizing that actually a lot of people I meet are also carrying traumas and those traumas tend to be influencing their interactions at work and how they operate in the workplace and that was where the idea was born so I wrote it um, it evolved into something that I actually really enjoyed doing and um now, the purpose of it really is so that I could be even more selective about the, the kind of client work I do. I have a dream that I want to work with those people that you said earlier, you know who have that curiosity, um, who've, who've also are able to live through the discomfort and to do a bit of healing whilst they learn from the process of that healing and how it can impact their effectiveness at work, but also more broadly in their life as a human
2: brilliant and so the name of the book is where's my
1: piece of paper i've got it there leader awakened. leader awakened
2: <laughs>
1: yes. yeah it's yes. um it's available on all, in all the usual places i guess it
0: is, it is. so so and, there is a uh, uh,
1: uh, that's
2: book
0: yes it's, it's available on amazon but it's available on in in most uh, book shops um uh and in in the us as well as um the uk and and and, and even other retailers um it, it also um there's a website called uh, its leaderawakened.co.uk and you've got some information about the book itself and then it'll it'll guide you to any of those retailers uh and yeah it's actually if you're interested in doing some of this work yourself it's a perfect companion to start you on that journey
2: brilliant um
1: i know that you're we've got a specific cutoff tonight so um is there if people want to carry on the conversation want to get hold of you other than grabbing the book is is that the best place to grab you or is there another way they can get hold of you
0: yes um well on linkedin and in instagram um i've i've, I've we've got um a leader awaken specific area but also you can contact me directly um and then cool. turmericgroup.com is the website turmericgroup.com which is also where where uh, you will find leaderawaken.co.uk um yeah you can definitely make contact through any of those uh forums Brilliant.
1: Well, submarine. thank you so much for your time tonight. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, good luck with the book and good luck with everything else that you're doing. And have a great evening.
0: Yeah, and you. It's been a pleasure.
2: Thanks, submarine. Bye now. Bye-bye.
1: Another great sponsor of the show. he comes in the form of Air Manual. Um, Air Manual is a well, it's a tool for documenting process, which um, and best practices. Um, uh, it's run. It's a company formed by one of my uh, interviewees, uh, Alexis Kingbury. Um, essentially, uh, and I, I kind of summarised why my view of where we see documentation of my experience has been people will document something, a process, they'll put it in a, a Visio diagram that gets loaded onto a SharePoint site or something similar and then a bunch of pro- that so then once that, that diagram has been shared with senior management they're happy they have a process in the business but then the, the detailed procedures underneath it might be in word documents in, uh, just poorly kept and not linked easily and not updated and what Air Manual does it allows you to put in it's a tool for doing this kind of thing you whack it in uh, the service in there get in there put in your process your flow and you build it down to its lower level of detail even to the point of checklists where people can check off they've done it so it creates that um, uh, guided checklists um, easy to create easy to maintain and all in one place and no one's kind of rooting around to find the SharePoint and then when you change to new SharePoint services and all that stuff it's all there, so if you pop along to nigelprecise.com/slash air manual, and um, it's a bit more detail there and a link there to click on to um, go and get. I think uh, they offer a trial and things like that, so uh, uh, it, uh, it, it's something that I think uh, can easily um, reduce the amount of errors, rework, etc. within our organization. So, um, yeah, take a look. well I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sam Marie, um, and I hope the uh, leader in you is now awakened um, next week uh, we are going to have a rerun show um, I've had some <coughs> recordings that have um, had to be rescheduled so we are not got an episode for next week so I am going to pick out a uh, one from the archives um And I'll pop that in, and then as soon as I've got the next recording, you'll have a fresh new guest. Uh, Look after yourself, and speak soon. Bye. Uh, My latest, uh, the the latest affiliate that I've got on the show now is Riverside. Um, I use Riverside to do my interviews, Riverside FM. Um, it kind of offers you know, a whole, if you like, micro studio management producer tooling and, and, and goes beyond that. Has a really good free layer. <clears throat> and I, um, I've been using it for a while now. I find it really good when I've had issues, even though I'm not on one of the higher paid levels, the support has been quick, responsive, and, and, and of high quality, and, and people keen to help me. Uh, the organization seems really good. The product seems really intuitive. Um, and uh, quality is really good as well and the clever way of doing it is when you're, you're recording through your browsers so you've not got loads of desktop resources being used compared to some other products that I've used um, and what they also do is they, do a, um, they stream a, a lower quality version of it up onto uh, as you're doing the interview so you're not burning bandwidth while you're doing the interview and potentially uh, impacting on the quality of the conversation uh, and then at the end, it uploads it uh, the the higher quality from your browser. I um, mean, it's just a really good way of doing it. So, um, if you are uh, thinking of doing a podcast, and you're to doing a podcast, I, I would recommend using this tool. I found it really good, best best of the tools I've tried using um, today. And you can get that NigelCreaser.com/slash/Riverside, and that will redirect you to. Uh, my kickback page uh, on their site, and there uh, I will get a little kickback uh, from them. So, um, take a look. Thanks.